Christmas time. I, I love it. It is this magical season when the world is covered in lights and color. There's shared songs that we sing together. The one time that you come to open and you know I'll probably know the songs that they're doing in this place today. They're familiar old cartoons on TV. There's brand new Star Wars coming to the theaters soon. And most importantly, we have Mariah back in our lives again for another year. It is a winter wonderland for us, even if it's like 80 degrees outside here in Texas. But sometimes, sometimes, amidst the hustle and the bustle and the rustle of toy packaging, the heart of the story can get away from us a little bit, can't it? Christmas can become this season of hurry and stress and unmet expectations and you know, credit card consumerism and just like fruitcake everywhere you turn, and we miss maybe the heart of it. But what makes this season so special for, for each of us is that there's this, there's this pull on our hearts, this real desire to sort through that stuff and to turn our hearts toward the things that matter, uh, toward this story of amazing, giving, divine love, toward acts of compassion and caring for others, toward gratitude for what we have, toward hope in the light of the world that shines even in the darkness, to find that loving heart of the Christmas story, and to live in such a way that our hearts are wrapped up in the heart of it all, too. Which is why I love mornings like this with you, when we can step away from the trapping and the wrapping and tap into the heart of the story. Draw near, maybe even, to the heart of God's love for each of us. Because the the heart of the Christmas story is so amazing, so unexpectedly more than we could ever imagine. And it invites us to find, in the midst of real life, not just twinkle and tinsel, this heart of it all, of, of grace and hope and love for all people, of justice and joy and peace in our world. And it is a heart that shows us that in some profound way, amidst this life, that God is with us in it. And that we are to be with each other as well. When we open our lives to the heart of that story, we just might find a glimpse of the heart of, of all of it. So one of the ways to find, I think, the heart of this Christmas story is to in some way return to the story itself. And I keep saying Christmas story intentionally because one of the beautiful aspects of this season is that it comes to us as a story, isn't it? And in every tradition and culture throughout the ages, stories have been used to point us toward something more, uh, maybe toward the heart of things in a way that only a story can convey. Stories are like windows to look through to something universal on the other side. And the specifics and the details and the nuances of it all are important, but not for trivia or not even as much to say, did it happen just like this? But they're there to help us look into this window and see a story that's more in the midst of it. To ask the question, how does this window, how does this story tell us something profound about ourselves and humanity and divinity, about goodness and beauty, about the best of us? That goes far beyond what statements of theology or history could ever articulate for us. As the great storyteller Flannery O'Connor wrote, a story is a way to say something that can't be said any other way that takes every word of the story to say what the meaning is. You tell a story because a statement would be inadequate. And so the story of Christmas, this incredible 
story in which sometimes the words and the statements just seem inadequate is the epitome of this, the story told through the generations that says something more than mere statements could. And when we look through the window of that story, what we see at the heart of it all is something profound and simple, essential, life-giving, universal. We see, I think, in some ways, a glimpse of the heart of everything. And so at the heart of it all is not just tinsel and tidings. It's not just trying to get through the Target toy section without a tantrum, which is the heart of it for some of us. No, at the heart of it all is a universal story. And today we're going to look at one character, one figure in that story. We're going to look at the baby. When I say the baby, I don't mean baby Yoda. Um, Of course, that's a different story. That's a good story, too. We're going to talk about the Jesus baby today. The fact that the story that we center around centers around a baby, a child, is at all, is remarkable. Because stories are supposed to be about, like, grand figures and heroes and emperors and, and not vulnerable newborn children. And just that fact itself in the story tells us something remarkable, like nothing else for us. Because over, over history, in human history, religion and our religious structures have historically been about us reaching up for God, reaching out for God, about reaching out and in some way maybe even grasping a little bit of divine power and prosperity. But this story, in some essential way, is just the opposite of that. It's the inversion and the fulfillment of all of that, that the heart of God is reaching out for us in profound vulnerability and interdependence and invitation and love. We could not reach God in our own strength, and so the heart of God reached for us, foregoing strength and power and prosperity, instead coming in poverty with no conversion or coercion at its heart, just to be with us, God with us, in transforming solidarity, to love us, to embody love for us, and to invite us into the way of love and empower us to do it in the way that only God with us can. And that's a whole different story all together. And that's what the baby part of it is about, and it changes everything. And as we'll see, it's the differences and those details and this, that make this aspect so important. And so I want us to dig into a couple of aspects of this, this character. But first, um, there's some big claims made about this baby in our scripture library. In our scripture library, we have four different collections of stories about Jesus. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the names that we've given to them. Um, and of those four, Mark skips the the young Jesus part altogether, and we meet Jesus as an adult, right? And that just skips Christmas altogether. And then Matthew and Luke tell a lot of the stories that are familiar to us about, about shepherds and Mary and Magi. But the fourth one of those accounts is one called the Gospel According to John. And it came later in the story. And so what it does is it takes, it steps into a world in which some of the stories were already known popularly. And so it takes a different, more poetic and philosophical lens on the origin stories of Jesus. And John goes big. John is less concerned with the what and the how, and more concerned with the why and what does it mean for us. And so to look through the window of John is to see a story that points us to the big picture of what God might have been doing in Christ. And so here's how John describes that big picture. Here's the lens. 
says, what has come into being in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. What Jesus brought to us in some way was light and life, the light of all people, for all people. And it's a light that shines even in our world, even in the darkness still. It's the light of justice and joy and peace, a light of hope, a light of love that is universal. And in this season of expectation, so much of what it is that we are expecting and longing for is to see that light shine in full evermore. But there's more to this story and the aspect of this. And so John continues just a few verses later and says it this way. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Which maybe is something that you've heard before. But uh, the word, Word, is capitalized usually in the places that you see it. Because in the context of the day and in our scripture library, this was a huge, important word. The word word, um, see if I can say that over and over again. The word word um, meant word, but it, in Greek it was the word logos, which was probably the, the most important word in Greek philosophy and the way they understood in the world. And that they, essentially it means the message or the word or the essential character, in fact, maybe even the essential character in nature of the whole cosmos. And in this case, we can understand this word becoming flesh, to mean that in some way the message of God for us, the word of God for us, the nature and the character and the essential heart of God was embodied and enfleshed and expressed in Jesus. And what is that essential character and message of God? Well, later that community around John wrote this and summarized the character of God, and they described it like this. God is love. And so what was embodied in Jesus was, in some way, the love of God for us. The very heart of God, the very heart of God for humanity and for you and for me. That God so loves this world and so loves each of us. And when we see that love show up, it comes to us not with a grand parade or an emperor's robes, but it comes in the unassuming, uncoercive, vulnerable, invitational coup of a child. So the fancy theological word for this is incarnation. Um, It means embodying, taking on flesh and form. It's the story of, in some way, divinity and humanity meeting. The word for incarnation doesn't actually appear um, in the story, but, but it's something that we can see when we look through the window of the story. See, the fact that God's very hard in some ways, the story says, was embodied and incarnate, tells us something beautiful about the way God loves us. It tells us that this world, this life, our bodies, all creation, are places where divinity is right at home. That God is with us here. That love is with us here in everything. Showing us uh, that all of us and this world are, as, as it says at the beginning of the creation story in Genesis, that God has called us all very good. That God has looked out at everything that they've made, and indeed it was very good. So there's this certain strand of, of religious perspective that makes the world into, into dualistic binaries. Saying, that in some ways this world or ourselves are somehow contrary to God. But the incarnation that sits at the heart of this story, the beauty of the baby, 
It means that at the heart that the heart of God is right here at home with us in the midst of it all, that God is with us in real life. And not just the pretty Sunday best, never say anything worse than golly gee willikers kind of life we live, though in the flesh and the stable and the raising kids life, the being kids life, the waking up and going to school or going to work and living life and the wanting and needing and creating and dreaming life in our whole life. God is with us for who you are, for all you are, in all our incarnations. God is right there with love in it all and invites us in some ways to let that love of God be incarnate in our lives as well. And so when you hug your friends or your family or your kids, this season. God is there in the real life flesh of it all, the complexity of those relationships. When you smile or you reach out and touch a, someone in your life or a stranger, God is right there in the real life and flesh of it all. And in the season, in those moments in the twists and turns in life, when you find yourself alone, God is right there in the real life flesh of it all with a light that shines through everything. God is right there in life, right here with us in it all. And not just looking on from afar, but with us in it. That Jesus began at a baby as a baby, the story says, means that Jesus experienced all of this journey that we're on. The need, the learning, the disappointment, the struggle, the stumbles, the accidents as a toddler. Jesus may have even watched Teletubbies or Sesame Street along the way. And then the wonder and discovery as a child, as he grew, as a, as a teenager, maybe even feelings of isolation or hurt, as an adolescent, feelings of the weight of responsibility and new opportunities of the world, as he grew as an adult, this profound desire to see this difficult world be a place of justice and joy and peace that drove him a place of inclusion and flourishing and love and good news for all, and wanting to give everything he had for others that it might be so. Those things that we feel and experience in our life, Jesus is with us in the midst of all of that. Life is imperfect and messy and full of struggle. The fact that Jesus, beginning as a baby, joins us in this life shows us that right here in the embodied middle of everything— that we belong, that we're worthy, that we're loved, and that God is with us. And so we sing in these times songs of God Almighty, but in the Christ child we meet the God all vulnerable, all with us, God, and that changes everything. In this season, when we might feel vulnerable, when, when we feel like in some way we might be missing that Norman Rockwell painting version of Christmas and we don't quite find the happy, happy, joy, joy everywhere we turn, Instead of some almighty power and prosperity God at the heart of the story, instead we find the all-vulnerable God of love who is right here with us with transforming solidarity, especially in those moments of vulnerability. The great Brene Brown, who, who gave us that word vulnerability anew, she talks about the transforming power of courage amidst vulnerability, that it speaks this true story to us. It says that you are imperfect and you are wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. 
And that is exactly what we find at the heart of this story, that God is with us every step of our journey. Not just the straight paths like there are any straight paths, but in, any, in the twists and the curves of real embodied life, God is with us. And so we can live wide open to God. And when we do, we can live this life with more life, with courage, because God's message is that at the heart of it all, that we are a part of this story, that God is with us. We are worthy of love, and we belong. And so in our scripture library, when John is pointing to what we see through the window of the story, the writer says, as we, as we read, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's how they describe this, this metaphor of God being with us, that God's dwelling with us, which is just beautiful. But I don't know about you, um, that word dwelling, to me, sounds very fancy. <laughs> like Jesus was dwelling in the manor at Downton Abbey or something, you know, spending his time learning the difference between the soup spoon and the broth spoon and the ramen spoon and all the, you know, the things you figure out in college. So Jesus was dwelling with us, the metaphor says. But that word that they use for dwelling is anything but fancy. The word for dwell is skeneo, which means to tent, <laughs> To pitch a tent and tent camp with us. God is not with us behind a gate and guards within a castle or a cathedral. God is right there behind the tent flap of life with us in the twisting trials and trails of life. You don't even like knock on a tent. You just unzip it and like, hey, what's up? And that's how God is with us. In that same way, make sure you know the person before you do that. Just, just FYI, by experience. In the same way, God is not distant or aloof. God is with us in this life and in this season, in the simplicity of the story that comes to us like a tent among us. God invites us to, you know, give a heads up and then unzip the tent flap and open our hearts and find that God is with us. Light and life have built a blanket fort among us and invite us to connect and find and seek the God who is seeking us at the heart of the story. So one more thing about this, baby. Uh, It reminds us that we can encounter God among each other as well, especially when we listen to each other and we journey with each other, especially when we do it amidst those places and with the most vulnerable. See, what is remarkable about who this baby is is also remarkable about who this baby wasn't. This baby did not come as an emperor or a king or even Yoda or a YouTube celebrity. Jesus was born in a backwater town, a backwater country, far from empire and power, began life as a refugee on the run, was raised by a laborer as a laborer, and he dwelt among and as the most vulnerable. That's where Jesus dwelt, in his flesh and in his skin. That was where the heart of God was embodied, the story says. And despite what the babies and nativity scenes in your neighborhood might look like, Jesus was not a white, European, blonde-headed, haloed kid. He was an Afro-Semitic, multi-ethnic, brown-skinned traveler. If you look at the genealogies that are laid out in Matthew and Luke, you see Canaanites and Moabites and Hebrews and Cushites and Puts, which we all know what those are, right? Um, In modern terms, that's Palestinian and European and Libyan and Ethiopian and Israeli and Sudanese. 
They were Jews and they were Gentiles. They were shepherds and they were kings. They were priests and they were prostitutes. And that's Jesus's genealogy. That's his, our incarnation. And his, our incarnation is with all of us in this mixed up, messy life. God is with us. And so when the heart of God came to dwell, it came especially and intentionally to be among the most vulnerable. Showing us that God is with us, but also showing us that if we're looking for what God might be up to in our world, then we need to turn our attention and our eyes there as well. To see the work of justice and joy and peace, the heart of God can be especially found there. And so this season reminds us that God is with the most vulnerable and that we are called to be as well. So if you want to give the baby a birthday gift, and then turn your attention there. Give your time and money and attention and work for justice this season on behalf of the most vulnerable and oppressed in our world. That's the place where we might just encounter the heart of this story again in our time. With the hungry and the poor and the incarcerated, with the refugee and the outsider, that's where the heart of God was found, and we might find it again as well. Jesus told an imagined story uh, in his teaching, as he grew up, he eventually grew up from being a baby. My daughter last night was like, Jesus started as a baby, and now he's a big man. And my son said, he's the biggest man of all. <laughs> okay, cool. We're, we're getting there. Um, so th- Jesus is telling this story. It's an imagined story about where we might encounter Christ. And some people are talking, and he says, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or gave you food and thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you naked and gave you clothing? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and we visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these members of my family, you did it to me. Where do we find God with us in our world? We find it when we turn to each other in those places of our deepest needs and we let love be incarnate in our life and we see Christ in our neighbors. That story is a window to something that opens us up to the whole world, to each other, and to the God that is with us. And it's a message that's being spoken to us still today that all are worthy, that all belong, that all are loved by the God who is with us. The neighbors that we glimpse Christ in the divine work of love in our world. And it's a message that we're called to speak and make incarnate again in our lives as well. It's the message that's at the heart of it all. God so loves this world. God so loves you and you and you and me and all of us. And we meet that story and a child. We meet that story in the vulnerable, and we meet that story in the God who is with us all, dwelling with us, among us, in us, with a message amidst the vulnerability of this life. And because I think God meets us in like real life, (laughs) we can hear that message. We can hear it reverberating even still. So, just thinking about that, about this message that's spoken in real life, reminded me of a story a few years ago in my own life. Um, our chimney needed a new cover at our house, and I procrastinated 
which is very surprising if you know me, um, about chimney repair. And so, I mean, I asked Santa to bring me a chimney cover, but uh, it hadn't shown up yet. And so through the open chimney of our house, a bird flew in. Um, and that's when I remembered that I was supposed to put a top on the chimney. It's when there was a bird flying around. And the bird was like super freaked out flying around our house. And I was a little freaked out too, to be fair, uh, in this story. So I, I tried to chase the bird and get the bird out of the house somewhere. And I chased it into my bedroom where, um, and, uh, and I have a window that has like a little split level that you raise and lower. And the bird was just like sat right on top of that window. And I thought, oh, here's my chance. Yeah, I'm just going to like open the window and the bird will just fly right out through there. And so I, I lift the window up and the bird just rides it. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, not going how I intend. And so here's my great idea. Like if I just lift it up enough so that the top of the window touches the bird's head, just taps it lightly, gently, Hannah. Um, the bird will notice and like fly and go right out the window and everything will be okay. The bird just like leans over. <laughs> It's coming down. I'm like, this is not working at all. Just leaning, like, leaning over, just lays down. And I remember thinking in this moment, I'm like, I felt like such a, such a, more, more of a dummy than normal. I just thought, if I just spoke bird, if I could just tell this bird what I'm trying to do, hey, bird, I know this is scary, but I'm with you. I'm for you. We're going to get through this, and you are going to be free, and you are going to find life and joy, and you're going to be able to explore whatever chimneys come your way. It's like, just go with me here. But I didn't speak bird, even though I tried. <laughs> or I actually considered trying to speak bird to it. And so it took about another hour to get this bird out. But, but I was thinking about this story in this. And that at the heart of all of this, of this God that joins us in real life, is that this message is here for us in real life. Not in fancy church talk, not in bird language, but in real life language. Spoken to us in a way that we can hear it. That's incarnate in Christ and in all those places that we find Christ among us. In our spirit, in creation, in our neighbors, in the most vulnerable, in the heart of our story, in the heart of this story, is that of a baby who came to bring light in life in a way that we could hear it. And that message spoken to us that I know this is scary, I know this feels vulnerable sometimes, and it seems like so much, but I am with you and for you. You are worthy and you are belong in love. And we're going to get through this. <laughs> You're going to be free, and you're going to fly out the window and find life and love, and you're going to be able to explore whatever chimney it is that you want to explore. It's this message that God is speaking to us through the real stories of this life, through this season, in our hearts, through our neighbors. God invites us to open our eyes and ourselves to the story that sits at the heart of everything. That God is with us. You are worthy. You are loved. You belong. And it's this message that we're called to make incarnate in our lives, to speak it in our own language and our stories and among our friend and family circles and our neighborhoods, to try to speak it to the birds if they come by your way. God's message is being spoken in our world. May we hear it this season. 
And may we speak it in our worlds and in our lives and in our languages and in our incarnation, the beautiful story of the God who is with us. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, thank you for the baby that you came to be with us, not distant and aloof, not guarded behind the gates, but with us in real life. God, your message is being spoken to us in a thousand ways, in a thousand places, in our neighbors, in this story, in our world. May we listen. Listen to that message that is with us. And God, may we listen to our neighbors and those among us as well. But even more as we hear that message, may it be incarnate in us this season. May we be people of love and light and life people pursuing justice and joy and peace in our world, may we make this message of your incredible love for all incarnate in our lives, in our workplaces, in our families, in our friends. We pray all of this in your incredible name.